to Doing the Most, the series where we talk about the misadventures of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, execution strategist and serial entrepreneur. This series is here to get real about what entrepreneurial life truly looks like. We are driven, persistent, hardworking, ambitious. We are human, and these are our stories. Please note, all season one episodes were previously recorded for our video series. Welcome to Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. On this brand new YouTube web series, I'll be interviewing many different entrepreneurs and asking them about their entrepreneurial journey. How did they get started? What have their misadventures been? And just what it really looks like, feels like, and is like to be a current day modern entrepreneur. So many people have these misconceptions about entrepreneurship, mainly due to social media, that it's really easy. You know, you can take 30 days to make $30,000 and you could become a millionaire overnight. But as real entrepreneurs know, that's not how it works. There are a few lucky winners that win the entrepreneurial lottery and get an overnight success. But most overnight successes happen after 5, 10, 15, even 20 years of hard work and dedication and many misadventures. For this very first episode, what I'd like to do is have myself be interviewed um, as my entrepreneurial journey has been full with misadventures. And who will be interviewing me today? No other than Pedro Crespo, my past CFO from when I had one of my startups, Illicit Mind. But I'll let Pedro tell you a little bit more about who he is, and then we'll get this interview started. Hey, so how's it going, everybody? Uh, my name is Pedro Crespo. I worked with Georgie for almost two years uh, as her CFO for Lifted Mind. We became great friends, and unfortunately, we had to phase out Lifted Mind. But currently, and for the last year, I've been a real estate agent in New York, focusing on luxury real estate uh, and helping clients find their dream homes. Uh, me and Georgie have a great relationship, and which is why I'm here today interviewing her for her very first YouTube episode. Thank you so much, Pedro. So, guys, let's jump right in. How has Georgie been doing the most on her misadventures? <laughs> so, let's start off with one question. So, none of these questions have been given to Georgie, so some of them may throw her off guard. But, <laughs> Georgie, tell me... Tell me what made you want to be an entrepreneur? Well, what made me want to be an entrepreneur kind of started really early in childhood. So I'm an immigrant. I was born and raised in Jamaica and growing up in Jamaica there, everyone is an entrepreneur in the community. So you have like the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, but my father and a lot of family members had to start their own businesses in order to survive and in order to build and grow their legacies. There were a lot of people in my family that, you know, were teachers and nurses, um, but the folks that were entrepreneurs and like started their own business, it really stood out to me. You know, they were creating job opportunities for folks. And that was so interesting to me to see someone kind of create something from nothing and then make money from it. And I was just like, it's, to me, it was just like this magical transaction. Um, and from that young age, I always said, you know, I want to own my own shopping mall. I want to create businesses, create opportunities, and just get to work with people and create our own ideas and see those ideas come to life. And that is really what kind of sparked that entrepreneurial drive inside of me, the family members that were entrepreneurs and like just growing up in that economy. 
So with all these entrepreneurial minds around you um, and these great influences around you, what I, I'm very interested to know, what was your first business? Like, I know the official businesses that you started, but what are those non-official businesses that you started back when you were younger? Um, non-official businesses, uh, tapping into the young mind. Um, there was various things. <laughs> All right. So back in even elementary school, I always had like a phone and like, um, game system. So from a young age, like I had like a cell phone from like a fifth, fourth grade. So I would like charge folks to like use my phone. I would like sell candy, like buy candy at the store that comes to school and like resell candy there. Um, right. now promoted to like now middle school. Uh, I was like the certified videographer because my mom got me a camera for Christmas. I think it was like sixth grade Christmas or birthday. And so like any events that were happening after school, people were like getting light. I would like record it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was like my transaction, like my contribution. Um, then in high school, I had like, I was selling like tickets for prom, after prom. Um, I was selling t-shirts. So I sold the, t the senior class shirts. Um, what else did I do? Just like random little acts that would get me some money in my pocket because my, I wouldn't say my family was like super poor or broke, but we didn't have it like as well as a lot of my friends did. And so in order to make ends meet, I had to make a little bit of money here and there and whatever task I could pick up um, that would generate some income for me that seemed fun, something that I like to do, you know, building websites. I even I started building websites back in like 2000. 7, 2008, even before that, MySpace pages. I would design people's MySpace pages and like get a couple bucks from that. You were like, a certified hustler, always. Certified. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. <laughs> yes, that, that's good. Um, and what, like, as an, as an immigrant, what was something that you found very hard doing all these side hustles or official things? Like what, what was something that you wish you, you would have known before so that you could prepare for it or, or something like that? Like specifically coming to America. So like, again, I mentioned back when I was like little in Jamaica, entrepreneurial job was kind of there and kicking, but I felt when I moved to the United States, um, I had to kind of put that entrepreneurial bug like in this little case and like say, Hey, I'm gonna leave you alone until like I get older. But now, like, in an interview and, like, talking about back in the days, like, even though I thought I put it away, I was still executing on entrepreneurial ventures. And at the time, I didn't think of it. It was just like, oh, I'm going to make this little quick buck here and there. Because um, my mom didn't want us to work. So, like, we were never allowed to work. I got my working permit at 14. Tried to apply for, like, summer youth. And she's like, no, you guys are not going to work. My literally That's really weird. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, I was so upset about it. I'm like, oh, my friends are working at the supermarket. My first job was after I graduated high school. Like, I never worked officially before that um but I always wanted to I was like mom I need money at the work but she wanted us to focus on school and education and she wanted us to like my my mom just really wanted us to focus on um getting a good job like going to a good college and getting a good job and so while I was in school I was going to major I was major I actually did major in accounting you know even in high school I was like trying to stay on like the dean's list at all time all throughout my educational career like C's were not acceptable. B's were, what's wrong with you? So like, it was either A or B pluses that was looked for in my family. Like if it wasn't in a high grade range, like we had issues. So what I would wish back then was like allowing myself to dabble more into entrepreneurship. I think I could have gotten a lot more done 
earlier if I had accepted um, the entrepreneurial path. It was just something like, no, 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 you know, the entrepreneurial family members are struggling right now. And like, you know, their businesses were roller coasters. Um, sometimes it was doing really great and money was like flowing in. Sometimes it wasn't doing so great and they struggled. And that didn't scare me away from it. But a lot of people in my family and my mom would just say like, you know, don't pursue that. Like you need to go get your education and then further down in life, if you want to start a business after you got your foundation, then you could do that. But no matter how hard I tried, I still kept on wanting to do entrepreneurial ventures, wanting to start something, wanting to create ideas, wanting to employ people, wanting to give people opportunities. Um, so I just wish I could go back and say, hey, Georgia, just go ahead and do more, a little bit more entrepreneurial. It's okay. You don't yes. have to speak around and do it. That is something that's definitely very common in the first generation uh, American like kid of an immigrant into the United States that our parents really want us to be one of three or four things, a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant, or a teacher. Right? Don't get nurse. Nurse too. Oh, or a nurse. Or a nurse. Close the doctor. Especially for, especially for the Caribbean or Asian parents. Mm-hmm. A nurse. Or, so, um, and when they want us to focus on that, they don't see any other career choices as something that's viable, especially not something as crazy as entrepreneurship because you never know when that next or that first paycheck is going to come through uh, as as you and i both know it can be a couple of months or it could be a year before you get you actually get paid in entrepreneurship right so with that said what was that moment in your life that you said okay I'm taking this and I'm going to make this my career, my life. What, when do you decide entrepreneurship or starting a business for your own was going to be your, your next, your life? Um, I think it happened most pivotally, like when, when I was, I was working full-time at Foot Locker. So after I graduated high school, got my first job, I was working on like a doctor's office for, over the summer, but I, I didn't like it. I was like, I, what am I doing here? It's like a lot of like, um, they were like super old school. So everything was on paper. Smelled like old people all day. I was like, this is not making me happy. Like, what am I doing? Um, so I went to the mall like almost every day uh, to just try to get like an escape. And it was like a bus ride away. And so I saw that Foot Locker was hiring. So I applied online, didn't hear back, went to the store like, hey, I applied, didn't hear back. And for weeks, I would go into the store and call. And then finally, the manager was there. She's like, you know what? I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to interview you. Um, so I got the job at Foot Locker. And I worked there. And I leveled up pretty fast. So within like six months, no, less than six months, I was um, a key holder. And then within six months after that, I was like at another store. So I was leveling up and getting bigger stores. And I was like, you know, one of the top best performing sales um, person in the store. And Foot Locker, I don't know if they're still commission-based, but at that time it was commission-based. So I was making, you know, decent money. And I was, they, they have like training. So manager trainings. And I was doing the manager trainings. And the next step for my training was to, so I did like the assistant manager. And like the next step would become either an assistant manager or a manager of a store. And at this time I was working at the 34th Street um, Lady Foot Locker. I was going to Baruch. This was my first semester at Baruch. And, you know, it felt like everything was going great. Like I had already launched um, Illicit Mind Clothing. So the pivotal step didn't even come 
when I launched Alyssa in my clothing because I did that as like a side hustle. I was going to school, focusing on accounting. And, but the towards the end of that first semester at Baruch, it just felt like everything was perfect. I had my own apartment, had my full-time job. Um, you know, my son was doing great. Um, my business was doing great, but it was just like, I want to go full-time entrepreneurship. I don't want to be doing no accounting major. I don't want to be working at Foot Locker no more. I don't want to be having a list of mine be something I do with my extra time. Like I want to focus on entrepreneurship. So that summer, one, I did terrible in the first semester at Baruch. I got like a 1.4 GPA. Wow. Um, <laughs> and that was not good because like I was about to move some of my financial aid from school. Um, and I had to even go to like this therapy session, like this made, um, it was like a therapy slash like, Think of it like AA, but for classes. Um, so it was like a weekly thing. You have to go and like, you have to meditate and talk about how you felt and like why you got a low GPA, how you're going to improve it. So I have to go to that thing. But I just knew that I needed to, and then I also switched my major. I dropped accounting. I was like, switch it to entrepreneurship temporarily because I figured, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur. Might as well um, embark on entrepreneurship. And I reread this book called Choose Yourself that is by James Altucher. And it was, I read it a couple months back, but it didn't hit me. But that summer, the summer of 2014 is when I said, you know what? I got to go all in. It's all or nothing at this point. And I had a lot to lose. Like, again, I was in my own apartment. I had my son. Cameron was about two years old at the time. But I was like, if I don't take this leap now and really figure out, is this what I want? Is this meant for me? I'm never going to take that leap. And I'm going to always regret it. So that's when I said, okay, this is the path I'm going to take. And I just said, screw it. Entrepreneurship is it. I didn't know where my next paycheck was coming from. I didn't know how we were going to pay the rent. I mean, now thinking back, it was a little, not a little, it was really reckless, but it's really crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it worked out for the best. Like I had to take that leap of faith, kind of like jumping out of the plane and, but I, I was able to figure it out because I didn't have so many security blankets that I was like so comforted and like coddled in like, you know, security blanket of accounting major, security blanket of having a full-time job. I had to figure it out and I ended up did figuring it all out um, and making ends meet. It wasn't the, the best way, but it brought me here and I don't regret any of it, but I would just say if folks be careful and um, if you, if you had to take that leap of faith. Yeah, so that's why I think you picked a great name for for this show, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. It's like, it's not a straight line. Everyone says it, but no one really realizes it <laughs> until they're in it. It's uh, up and down, sideways. If you go through different hoops and hurdles, um, it's definitely a misadventure. Um, and for you, you talked about your son, Cameron, but now you you also have a little baby girl. So what do you consider yourself? A super mom, a super wife, a super entrepreneur? What's your role? What's your title? Human. <laughs> Yo, Human. Okay. Not yeah, all like, humans are like entrepreneurs. Yeah, because I want to like address that in a weird way because I, for a while, like specifically right after I had the baby, um, Rihanna, right? I felt I had to be a hundred percent all the time at everything. Like I felt I had to be a hundred percent there for myself. I mean, my company, um, you guys that are listed mine, I felt I had to be there a hundred percent for both the kids. Now I had to be there a hundred percent for my husband. 
be there for my family, just projects that I was working on. And it's just like, a lot of people would like title me, oh, superwoman, supermom. It was like being put on this pedestal, I felt I had to either meet, but most times exceed everyone's expectations of me. And I felt like their expectations were like, up here and I felt like I'm here trying to just every day trying to run and like meet that expectation each day and it just came to a point where it made me really depressed like I was super depressed um and about a year ago it's gonna be a year now like I had to I have been in therapy like before but I had to like commit to like a long-term therapist because I needed somebody to talk about what was going on like what I was feeling without like the unbiased, right? You know, I could reach out to family and friends, but because of their love for me or maybe their lack of love for me, their responses would be semi-biased. And I needed to talk to someone that would see from like an outsider's point of view and just kind of help me dive deeper into like how I was feeling and not being so obsessed with like how I was making everybody else feel. Because um, everyone was like, I'm a super people person. I love, you know, engaging and helping and doing so much for others that I wasn't doing enough for myself and I had and I had to have somebody kind of like check me on that like hey are you good like because in order to be really good for everybody else I had to be good for yourself yeah like center myself and like set expectations that would make me say okay today I did a really good job at momming today I did a good job at you know business owning today I did a good job at wifing and if even if his expectations weren't fully met or her or anybody else's expectations weren't fully met, I met the expectations that I set within myself yeah. and could then exceed that at my own pace versus trying to catch up to the expectations everyone else was um, putting, putting, putting on me. And that made me so much more productive, valuable, um, resourceful. That made me able to help others even more. Like I, I thought like, being like there was a stigma about being selfish or focusing on myself growing up that because I had like a really big family so it was like if you focus too much on yourself you're selfish you don't care about anybody else so I just didn't want to even focus on myself at all but being focused on myself more allowed me to give and pour more into everyone else's cup because now my cup was like full like running over full so I was able to give more versus giving from like a half empty cup and then be left with like this much. <laughs> so human is what I would call myself. Yes, we all we all make mistakes and definitely as an entrepreneur, I think something that I saw in in you while you were going through this entire period, you becoming a, another child coming into your life, you having a husband, it was that you stopped taking care of of your internal self you were taking care of your kid and you would bring your kids <laughs> to our events you would bring your husband to our events and as someone was speaking or as some as we were taking care of some things you would run off to take care of a fire that was happening in the family or take off to take a customer's questions or something like that and it was just so crazy watching you run back and forth and doing all of this which is why i had to ask what are you superwoman super wife what's your what do you name yourself because i, re I released my cape you release yourself <laughs> from that from that cape uh and you just call yourself a human which is great um but a great entrepreneur nonetheless um which is your favorite role which oh. has been your favorite role oh don't do that don't do that 
I mean, <laughs> I have to do it. Which, which, which have you had the most fun? Not to say your kids aren't fun, but like where where have you felt the most gratification from the adventure, from the misadventures? True, true. Um, all right. I mean, some people gonna know what my answer is already, but I have if I'm being honest with myself, I could fluff it and like lie, right? But I'm gonna be honest. It's entrepreneurship. It's the business, it's the hustle. Like it, you know, it makes me a better mom. It makes me a better wife, it makes me a better person because that's my passion. Like that's my purpose. That's like why I'm here. That's my God-given gift. Like that is at the core who I am and what I'm meant to be. And if I feel good in entrepreneurship, I could excel in every other field. And just like applying the entrepreneurial mindset to everything else, you know, managing two kids that are how far, they're like four or five years apart, understanding what each one needs, understanding that I'm attending to my husband, then we have the movie company. So just like, if I feel good and like just, you know, getting shit done in like an entrepreneurial scope, everything else is just like butter. Like everything else just feels and comes more naturally because I'm just, you know, being me like at the core. Correct. Of yeah. And then like for you, excelling at being an entrepreneur has taught you how to take care or manage employees. Mm-hmm. And therefore you're able to take care and manage expectations from husband and kids. Definitely. 100%. Um, But also we, like parents, I'm not a parent, but it's been very evident in the people who I've surrounded myself around um, that people who are parents tend to put a lot more pressure on themselves and feel bad about not giving enough attention to their business or not giving enough attention to their kids, especially women who Mm -hmm. there's a societal uh, norm that they have to keep in mind at all times. How do you feel about that? Yeah, so that definitely was an issue, specifically um, when, again, when the baby was born, because it was like a whole, it was like starting all over. So I had Cameron in high school, so I was fairly young, but I had all this like energy and like I was on like a high like I went to college I'm like free and like adulting so there was like all this adrenaline right adrenaline like kind of pushing me through it and helping momentum. me but, like yeah. Uh, yeah the momentum was there so when I had the my my daughter now when I had Brianna it was just more of like okay I have to settle that down I was like married this time I had to step back and really look at it like how can I share my time because even like when Cameron was younger you know I had an event he was coming with me but he was old enough at that point when I was in the journey so I started going to events having events when he was like three four years old so he's old enough so I could give him like a puzzle or his iPad and say hey Cam like you know chill out mommy's gonna do this event or he'd even be at the event listening paying attention asking questions he wasn't having only yeah the only reason why I, I know you or remembered you was because I went to a New York tech New York tech event and you were there with Cameron mm-hmm. and he was being like a perfect child and just being <laughs> quiet and listening to everything and then he had a bunch of questions to ask when I saw you at the end when you were being introduced to me I was so very stunned by this 
And then a couple of months later, when you were looking for someone to help you out, I was like, oh, Georgie, Cameron's mom, the, the, woman, with the, the woman with the kid who was very quiet. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, and that's what you become. Like, when you have kids, you're no longer Georgie. You're just Cameron's mom or Brianna's mom. I got used to it. But I had to, you know, create, like, a different kind of, like, not balance. Like, what I've been calling it recently is synergy. Just figuring out, okay, how many hours could I put into the business to make sure the business is good? Or what can I do that will automate some of the processes and tasks of the business so that way I have more time to spend with my kids and my, my husband? Because there was a time where I was like trying to give everybody again, like that equal amount of time and attention and love and effort. And it was just so overbearing. And it was just like, I felt like I would give my all to something. And then at the end, it was just like, Oh, it's not good enough. And I'm just like, "Ah, what do you mean? It's not good enough. That's all I had. I gave everything to that. Like I gave every piece of me. You tell me I should have given more. And it was just like, that's all I had above all I had. And it's just, um, so what I do now, you know, if there's things that could, help me to like with with even with the kids like okay can, can they do a certain task that will allow me to get a few more minutes of business or can I do something to automate more of the business so that way I have more time to spend with the kids and I have like certain limits like okay um you know I had to put her in daycare so that way I'm working in the daytime more I have like, the home office so I separate work from the home um little tricks like that you know if I'm working on a project that they could literally be sitting there next to me while I'm being on an interview or a phone call or something that they could physically be there. I bring them with me if it, if it makes sense. Um, and not really beating myself up because I think that's, that's the statement. We're so much harder on ourselves than other people are. And a lot of people, you know, didn't feel it was cool for me to bring him to certain events, but if it's like, if he's quiet, this is, this, this is going to help me. If he's not disrupting, disrupting your experience at this event, there's not like a bag of curses and, you know, he had his headphones most times. Again, the iPad um, was a lifesaver. You know, I would be on a network event hour, two hours. I was too young to drink at most events or I just didn't drink at all. I still don't drink. So alcohol, when the network, the, the mixture time started, you know, would be, would be gone by that time. Um, and if I didn't do this, right, I wouldn't have the four or 500. Literally, I have a box that has about 400 business cards from people that I met in like that first one to two years of me doing networking and about 30% of those events I had camera with me and like he was going getting some of the business cards people were like hey you know here's my card we reached out to me like to him because he was just so into it and talking and 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 it was just like how can I make these two things work together my kids are a part of me my business is a part of me uh, my family is important to me, very important to me. How can I make it all work together? Hold on a second again. Are you calling me? Yeah. What happened? Hey, hey. What? No, 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 she can't eat that. Give her a Kit Kat. She's going to choke on the other one. I'll be there soon. All right, so Brian had to go finish up some work stuff, which I forgot, and the baby just came home, so that's what's going on. Um, I'm back soon. All right, five, four, three, two, one. Back in. I hope you didn't forget what you're gonna say. Okay. I think it all that you were saying plays into the emotion of being an entrepreneur and keeping ourselves in check. And I think all that you were doing was, as you mentioned, the first thing I asked you was. 
how was it being an, a child of an immigrant and being an immigrant yourself coming from Jamaica um, to the United States? How was that entrepreneurial mindset that you had in Jamaica translated into your life here in the United States? I think you're doing the same thing your parents did and your grandparents did and your uncles did was creating a, a legacy of entrepreneurship into your child, like giving them that emotion, giving like, allowing them to see the ups and downs of it all so that they can decide for themselves in the future whether or not they want to be like mommy and pursue entrepreneurship or pursue those traditional roles that our parents, our immigrant parents typically want us to do. So I think that's a great legacy that you have so far as a young mom. Um, What do you have to say about that? Do you agree? Yeah, I would. I definitely do agree. Um, you know, sometimes they'll be in the office with me and they have like their play phone and I have like a couple of keyboards and mouses and like, you know, they'll literally take it up and like pretend to be mommy working and talk about the events because not only are they in like a one entrepreneur household, like the entire household is entrepreneurs and my husband is entrepreneur too. So it's just like, this is what they see day in and day out and like what it really looks like. And it gives them a different perspective versus a lot of their friends and our family members who, you know, work a modern job. And I'm not going to get mad at them if they grow older and they don't want to take on the family business or start their own businesses. You know, I want to give them that freedom to choose, but I want to also let them know it's not a bad choice for entrepreneurship because I feel like when I did come to the United States, it was more so like, you know, just get these jobs, go to school. It wasn't, you know, entrepreneurship wasn't an option. It wasn't something that you did until more like philanthropy or like nonprofit work after you made it successful or you made enough money to, to launch or invest in a business versus kind of creating it at this point. Um, and some, a lot of my family members still ask, you know, when are you going to get a job? Aren't you worried about healthcare, pension, 401k? I'm just like, I work like every day, like I'm working 80 hour weeks and asking me when I'm going to get a job. Like it gets, it gets frustrating at times, but what I have to understand is that things change and times change. So I just have, you know, if I can't explain to them what I'm doing, I do. Sometimes I was like, thank you for your concern. I'm fine. Um, but, but gotta keep them in check too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, sometimes it's really frustrating because it's like someone telling you, Oh, what are you going to ask me? When are you going to get a job? And you're like, I'm working my butt off like every day I have a job. And like, you, and then you try to explain what you do to them. It's like, no, you're just on the computer or the phone all day. Like I legit have folks that will call me and ask me to do like the most minuscule tasks. And it's like, don't y'all think I'm busy? I don't realize that I'm busy, like I'm working. Um, so it's like a battle there, but I want my kids to know if you want to be an entrepreneur, you have my support. Um, if you're willing to put in the work, let me rephrase, you have my support because a lot of folks want to be entrepreneurs and they don't do the work, but that's a whole other story. But if you want to take a traditional path and you want to work somewhere, you want to be a doctor, nurse, lawyer, I'm going to fully support you on that. But it's just about putting in the work and taking the time to learn and gain the experience in whatever field or passion or um, career you decide to pursue. That is a great way to end our interview. Um, I think for for first episode, I think it was great interviewing you. It was great. I know a lot of this about you already because we worked together for two years uh, and we were great partners. Um, but it was great to know the emotional side, the things that happened behind the the CEO, Georgie, that I knew. Um, and to know that there is 
a lot of people like us who need to check themselves, who need to evaluate their lives and know that entrepreneurship is not at all an easy ride. It's a misadventure all the way through. (laughs) Definitely. It is a total misadventure. And that's really why I started this series again. I just want to highlight and show folks that there's going to be the craziness and not to feel like you're, you're something's wrong with you or something's broken. If you're having all these misadventures, it's normal. And it's a part of the journey. And, you know, again, social media does not do a good job at kind of displaying that you only see the pretty smiley photos. You don't see the, the tears of um, working hard. You don't see folks busting tables or doing like odd jobs cleaning apartments or side hustles to make the bills for that month because their business hasn't fully taken off yet. But you do see when they're stealing like the million dollar deals or getting 35 billion in like VC money, whatever it may be, you see like that pretty part, but they don't really the talk glamorous about side. Yeah, the groundwork. So that's definitely why I wanted to bring this series to, to life. And I hope, you know, everyone enjoys it. Um, we have some awesome episodes coming up. The series will be running from today until March 7th. So you can catch it every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time um, right here on YouTube. And it'll also be airing on my website, GSD with Georgie. Thank you for having me, Georgie. Thank you so much for interviewing me, Pedro. And I'll catch you guys on the next episode on doing the most in misadventures of entrepreneurship. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Doing the Most Catch us here next week, same time, same place. If you can't wait, head on over to doingthemost.xyz to stay connected. Until next time, keep on doing.